0: Now, uh, let's get on to today. If you could have one thing in your life this year, what would it be? Now, while you're thinking, I'm preaching, this is church, it's a sermon, so I want a spiritual answer. (laughs) Not, I want a new car or a Ferrari or something like that. So something kind of helpful to my sermon would be really good. But what would you want? If you could just have one thing, you could sum up what you would like this next year in one sentence, what would it be? Anyone want to offer? Dan Lazinski To be completely given to God this year. Well, that's a good thing to want. Go on. To strengthen your relationship with Jesus. To find God's specific will. These are good things to want. It's good sometimes to stop, especially at the start of a new year, and think, what do I really want God to do in my life this year? Well, what I'm going to speak on this morning probably covers all of those and some of the things that you have thought and haven't had the opportunity to say. And it's this, how to be more fruitful for God. Now, if you were at the ladies' meeting just before Christmas, I spoke a little bit on this and Clive has asked me to speak on it to all of you this morning. How to be more fruitful for God. So let's look at the scripture this morning, and I'm going to turn to John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. It's going to come up on the screen. This is from the New Living Translation if you want to follow it. And this is Jesus speaking I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me or abide in me, you might be more familiar with in some translations. Remain, abide, stay, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. So, Father, this morning we pray that your word will speak to our hearts and change our lives. Lord, we want to go out of the door different to how we came in. We want to live our lives this week different to how we lived them last week because your word has shone into our hearts and done a work in our lives. And so we surrender to you this morning, Lord. We surrender to your word. We ask that you'll speak to our lives and touch our hearts and that we would indeed be disciples that bear fruit and bring glory to your name. Amen. So verse 8 says this, By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. And verse 16 says, You've been chosen and appointed to go and produce much fruit. Lasting fruit. Well, what is fruit? I think it's two things it's your character. And it's what you do. It's the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and it's winning souls for eternity. You can't separate it out and say it's one or the other. It's both those things. It's, the, it's your character and what you do. It's about what you think. It's about your attitudes and it's about your action. And every area of your life is an opportunity to bear fruit for Jesus. I have been chosen and appointed to bear much fruit. Why don't you say that with me? I have been chosen and appointed to bear much fruit. So if you're not sure what you're here for, that's a good place to start. That's what God has chosen you for, and that's the task that he's giving us. So let's just look a little bit at when Jesus is talking in this passage. It's actually one of his last pieces of advice to his disciples. It's after the Last Supper, They are walking through the Kidron Valley, and he's on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. That's when he speaks these words to his disciples. Now, what would you be talking about if you knew you only had a short time left on this earth? What would you be talking about to your loved ones, your children, uh, your family? I'm guessing whatever you choose, it would be something significant. You would be wanting to say something that mattered. You wouldn't be talking about trivial things. You know, if you, if you thought that you were going to not be here on Wednesday, you probably wouldn't be saying, now remember to put the dustbins out on Friday, dear. Well, I might. <laughs> no. <laughs> but seriously, you would be talking about things that really mattered. Last words are important. And Jesus is telling his disciples and us what will be of eternal, lasting value in our lives. And he starts by saying, I am the true vine. He's using the vine as a picture to help us understand spiritual realities. And he's probably walking among vines. We were so blessed to be in Israel earlier this year and follow this exact pathway that Jesus took. Um, through the Kidron Valley to Gethsemane, and and there are vines there. And he was probably looking at these vines and using them to explain to his disciples about the things that really matter. God wants to be glorified through our lives. We are to be fruitful, and the more fruitful we are, the more glory God gets. And he wants us to be fruitful. He wants you to succeed. This isn't God looking down upon you and saying where's the fruit you know and and being grumpy he's cheering you on he wants you to produce fruit in your life he wants you to succeed now Jesus it tells us in this uh, passage is the vine God the Father is the gardener or the vine dresser, and we're the branches. I don't know if you've ever seen a vine, there are some various pictures com- coming up behind me here. But the, when you talk about a vine, it's easy to think of this great big field full of plants, but actually, the vine is just the trunk. The vine is the trunk, the central thick trunk from which the branches extend outward. So, the vine is the trunk, and the branches that come out from the vine, their sole purpose is to grow the fruit. And the vine dresser or the gardener, his job is to do everything necessary to get the biggest, juiciest, best, most delicious fruit to grow on the branches. Remember, we're the branches. And so, the vine dresser plants the vine where he wants it, he looks after it, he waters it, he prunes it. It says in Isaiah 27 that God plants a vineyard of red wine. I, the Lord, do keep it. I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I will keep it night and day. And just as Jesus was totally dependent on God the Father, so must we be. And our confidence is in God. He's the one that's cheering us on. Do you believe God wants you to bear fruit? And he's cheering you on to do that. He's giving you every resource that you need to have a great, fruitful harvest in your life this year. Amen? So Jesus, God's the the gardener. Jesus is the vine. He's the source of life for us. He provides, the, the vine provides the nutrients and the water and everything necessary for the branches to be strong and to grow. And we are the branches. Now, if you don't have a branch, can you have fruit? You've only got that central bit. And so without the branches, there's no fruit. If we don't bear fruit, there's no fruit. The central vine trunk needs the branches to be the fruit-bearing part um, of this. And a branch is just a bit of wood, actually. Just like Heidi Baker was saying in that thing, I'm nothing. We're just a bit of wood. We're nothing special. Our sole purpose is to serve the vine by growing fruit. We live for one thing, to be fruitful in our lives, to bear the fruit that the Father wants through the life that Jesus has put in us. It's the fruit that he wants not the fruit that we want. He wants grapes, lots of grapes. So it's no good growing him bananas or strawberries or something that you think he wants. He's after the branches bearing grapes. So the vine provides what's needed. The provision is in Jesus, but the fruit grows on the branches. Who are the branches? We're the branches. Okay. The branch s- receives all the sap to bear fruit, and they just have to yield and receive that sap, and the vine dresser or the gardener looks after the vine to make sure all the conditions are there for fruitfulness. Andrew Murray said this. Andrew Murray is a guy that wrote he, a, lo- a long time ago, but he said this. The believer has one reason for his existence on earth, to bring forth fruit. Did you know that? Happy the soul that knows this and has consented to this and that says, I have been redeemed and I live for one thing to bear the fruit the vine wants, to carry God's saving love to men. And he says this, the great mistake that we make as Christians is to put this one purpose last in our lives, last in our thinking Last in our time, when everything else is done, we think about maybe we could do something for God. But actually, that's our one main purpose for being here. And if we put it last, then it's no good wondering why we're not so fruitful. We have to understand God's purpose for our lives on this earth. So say after me, I, if you want to, I will be a fruit bearer. I will be a fruit bearer. Be determined that that's what you're going to do this year. In all those things that people said, that's what you're going to do this year. You're going to bear fruit that gives glory to God's name this year. Now, in this passage, there are four conditions. And I want to try and illustrate them for you. So, Lily, you can come and help me a little bit. And the four conditions that Jesus speaks of are these. He speaks of the person who has... no fruit. He tells us about the person who has no fruit. Then he tells us about the person who has some fruit. She's going to have to play catch up here a little bit. Okay, I'll keep talking while she, she plays catch up. No fruit, some fruit, more fruit and much fruit. Here's some fruit. Okay, some fruit in that bowl. And I want to talk a little bit this morning about those four conditions that Jesus mentions in this passage and see if we can get a little bit of help here. Because you've all just said you want to be a fruit bearer this year. And you want to move on from where you are. Whichever one of those four conditions you're in, our hearts are to move forward this year. So let's see if there are some clues here to help us. First of all, what's this one? No fruit. Verse 2 says... He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Well, that sounds a bit scary. Have you ever read that and sort of glossed over it a little bit and thought, that sounds a bit scary. I'm not feeling very fruitful this year, and I don't want to be cut off. Has anyone ever felt like that? Am I the only one? Okay. Well, I don't care if I'm the only one. I want to be fruitful. It sounds as though if we get it wrong, we're going to be chopped off and cast out and burnt up. Uh, Roger Cole, um, who's a pastor down in Oxfordshire where we used to live, used to say, no fruit gets the boot. (laughs) But listen, in the margin, in my New King James version, it says this. Where it says uh, he takes it away, it says he lifts up. It's a bit different, isn't it? Every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he lifts up. So I'm not going to have a debate with my scholarly husband here at this moment, because, um, but I'm going to uh, read that meaning into it right now because Jesus is talking to his disciples in this passage. He's not talking to unsaved people. He's walking along with his disciples and telling them... Uh, this, uh, this passage and so when he, he's talking to his disciples is he going to cut his disciples off and send them to hell I don't think he is I think it it's better to read every branch that does not bear in me fruit in me he lifts up these are Christian fruitless branches <laughs> okay and this is how it works I think The vine branch, you've seen them in some of these pictures behind me, needs to be trained along like runners. You've seen them, haven't you? There's the central trunk and along go the branches and they they train them to grow along like a trellis. But if that branch is down on the ground in the mud and the wet, it's going to get all mildewy and muddy and horrible and it can't bear the fruit that it should. It's not possible to be a good fruit bearing branch if you are trailing in the mud and Jesus is saying if you have no fruit in your life I want to lift you up and put you where you should be so that you can be bearing fruit in your life does that make sense it helped me a bit uh, to read it like that dirt and mess speak of sin in our lives So if we're not bearing fruit, the first thing that we need to look at is, is there anything in our lives that God wants to clean up and get us back into the place that we're supposed to be in order to be able to bear fruit? And It could be something big, it could be something small, it doesn't matter. God, It says in um, Song of Songs, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. The little things make us not fruitful. The little things in our lives as well as the big things. But if you feel you want to be more fruitful in your life this year, the first thing is to let God clean you up. If there are things in your life that you know he doesn't want there, that don't uh, line up with his word, sort it out and let him clean you up. And it says in verse 3, you're actually already clean because of the word I spoke to you. The word of God, when we let it penetrate our lives, cleans us and uh, brings us into God's presence. And when we give our lives to Jesus, he cleans us, he washes us, he forgives us. But we can't just carry on as before. It's not a one-off. You get washed when you get saved and then you just carry on like your life as it was before. We have to take God's word seriously. And respond to it. When we read God's word, we are responsible for how we react to it. It should change us. You've gone ever so quiet on me. (laughs) Should the Bible change our lives? Yes. When we read it, there should be a response in our lives that changes. Mark Twain said this. Most people are bothered by those passages of scripture that they don't understand. But the passages that bother me the most are those I do understand. Because then you've got to do something about it. And so this year, if you want to go from, if you feel there's not enough fruit in your life and you want to move on a bit to having some fruit, take God's word seriously and respond to it. Let him clean you up and lift you into the place that you should be to be able to be a fruit-bearing branch. In James it says, anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like what? A man who looks in the mirror and goes away and forgets what he's seen. And Jesus himself says in Matthew, if you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, then you're like a man that's built on rock and the winds blew and beat against his house and it didn't fall because its foundation was on the rock. So it's not just hearing the words that give you a strong foundation in your life, it's putting them in To practice, so to build on the rock, you need to hear the word and do it so if if today you feel you're trailing a little bit, you 're not quite where you should be to receive the sap and the flow of god 's life in you to be a fruit bearing disciple this year, let God touch your heart through his word, let him do things in you, change you, put things right in you. This is a year for letting him touch our hearts through his word, so I just want to encourage you in that this morning. He's already spoken the word that you can be clean. Let him lift you up again into the place that you're supposed to be, so that you can start to be fruitful with some fruit. Here is some fruit. Okay. It's good to all the kids have gone out, hasn't it? kids like grapes. But anyway, so no fruit gets washed and cleaned and lifted up and put back in its right place on the vine so it can have some fruit. Then what happens? You've got some fruit. Lily's doing this sort of action. She's right. Verse 2 says, Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. So if you want to go from this bowl to the more fruit bowl, what's got to happen? Some pruning. So if you have some fruit, you'll get cut back. It all sounds quite painful, doesn't it, really? But anyway, how does this work? Vines always, the, the branches love to grow long and straggly and leafy. And they love to grow long and straggly and leafy more than they like to grow fruit. So if you let them just please themselves, they will grow long and straggly and leafy. And they might look good from a distance, but there won't be the fruit that there ought to be on them. It's all leaves. And so the vine dresser, the gardener, has to chop back the branches to get more grapes. The growth from last year gets chopped right back uh, once the grapes have been harvested. And it's a good thing. The more you grow, the more you get pruned. The more gets chopped off. And uh, sometimes a vine branch can grow to 8, 10 feet I don't know, how far is eight, ten feet along this stage? It's quite a long way. They can grow to eight or ten feet. And then along comes the vine dresser and cuts them back to two or three inches. Just two or three inches are left. Why does he have to do that? To make them stronger? Well, it would take too much sap to go all... If you're ten feet long... All the sap is going all down the length of that branch instead of going into the fruit. The sap has to go into the fruit. It would take too much sap to fill up all that straggly branch so everything that isn't needed for fruit bearing gets cut back and then you can expect to see some huge bunches of grapes. And even then, when the growth starts, the vine dresser cuts back the leaves so that the grapes get more sunshine so that they can grow bigger and juicier and in the same way God wants to prune our lives so that we can be more fruitful for him what does that mean what does it mean to be pruned we talk about it a lot don't we you know we talk about oh God wants to prune me what does it mean go on being told off by God okay being realigned in your thinking. Disciplined. Say again. Yeah. Dusting our feet. Well, this this time, it's not about sin in your life so much as about yourself. Okay? No fruit to fruit. We're getting cleaned up and the sin is being dealt with in our lives. Fruit to m- more fruit here. God's dealing with us ourselves if you like it's about ourselves he wants to prune back our lives he wants to cut back the parts of your life that drain time and energy from what really is important what's the most important thing to bear fruit what have you been made for as a branch to bear fruit so God wants to prune you to get the most important thing out of you that you're a fruit bearer. So he is going to want to come along and chop off those bits of your life that distract you or stop you from fulfilling your purpose in life and being satisfied and and so on in God. And it may be that he tells you off a little bit. It may be that he lovingly asks you to stop doing something and it's going to be different for everyone. You're not all, something that someone can do, the next person might not be able to do. Some people, you know, God asked them to give up their career for for a reason. Karis was talking on the stage here about some of the surrendering she's been having to do this year in her life. Now, God might not ask John Simmons to do that, but he might ask John Simmons to do something else this year for him. And it might be something just private and quiet in your heart that God is dealing with so that you can be more fruitful. Everyone needs to be pruned to bear fruit. There is no other way. So it's not a bad thing to be pruned. It's a good thing. If you've never been pruned by God, you will not be able to be very fruitful. So let God deal with things in your life, whether it's, it could be a hobby, it could be a dream you've had, it could be a job. I always used to think I would like to live in a farmhouse in the country, with a big pine table in the kitchen, cooking apple pies and that kind of thing. Everyone's laughing because I, I don't live like that, do I? <laughs> but that's what I thought I wanted. And you know, we've done lots of house moves with God. We've gone from bigger houses to tiny houses to all sorts of houses. I've had to lay down my. I sometimes say to Clive, "Oh, that apple pie kitchen." <laughs> you have to lay things down sometimes so that God can be fruitful through your life. And it will be, like I said, different from for every one of us. And it says in verse 3 of this passage, you've already been pruned and purified by the message I spoke to you. So God's word does this in your life. If you read God's word and you expect it to change you and you respond to it and you don't just read it and put it back on the shelf again, but you let it work in your life, it will clean up your sin and prune your life. Amen? So no fruit, some fruit, more fruit. This is getting good. The more we give ourselves to God, the more we surrender to him, the more fruit he is able to bring in our lives. It's about dying to ourselves a little bit, isn't it? And ourselves are actually straggly, leafy, trailing all over the place, unfruitful branches. Let him prune you and see what he'll do. See what he'll do through your life if you really surrender, like Dan said, everything to him, this year. If you've never heard God asking you to give up something for him or stop doing something or change something in your life, you will. I'm going to pray that you do this year. You will because that's the pruning process of God in our lives. Um, The important thing is that you respond right. When God wants to prune you and when he puts his finger on something in your life, you we have to respond. We can refuse to be pruned. We can carry on as we are, all straggly and leafy and no grapes. We don't have to let him chop us. You've got to surrender. He doesn't come and impose that upon you. So responding right is the key. You can go through difficult times in your life and sometimes we go through times of testing and they can be entirely wasted if you don't respond right. Did you know that? You can, you can have challenges and all sorts of opportunities for God to change your heart and make it soft toward him and prune things off. But if you don't respond right, those times are wasted. And so my appeal to you this morning is to respond right when you feel the gardener coming along with some shears in your life. Because it's so that you can be fruitful. And when you're fruitful, you will feel alive and you will feel that, you're really fulfilling God's purpose and call on your life. Now, there's a wonderful verse in Psalm 105 that I want to share with you. It's, again, in the New Living Translation. It's Psalm 105, verse 19. And it says this. It's about Joseph and the journey that he went on. And it says, Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Isn't that a good verse? Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. God will test your character and come to prune your life so that God's dreams from your life can come about. And every single day is an opportunity for God to do that in your life. Every day, God has opportunities to test your character. Are you going to be truthful at work? Are you going to work hard? Are you going to not give way to that uh, anger or whatever or unforgiveness or whatever it is? Every day this week, I promise you, you will have opportunities for God to test your character. And that's what he's after. He's looking to see what you will do, how you'll respond, so that you can move nearer to all the dreams that you have in God being fulfilled. Say after me, God is testing my character. So his dream for my life can happen. Amen. So first he deals with sin. Now he deals with self, and then he wants us to bring bring us to the place of much fruit. No fruit, some fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Here's the much fruit. Now, God has already done two things for us in this process. He's dealt with sin to bring us to this bowl. Then he's wanting to deal with ourself to bring us to this bowl. But at this point, if you want to make the jump from this bowl to this bowl, you have to do something other than just the response that I've already talked about. It says in verse 5, He who abides in me or remains in me and I in him, bears much fruit but without me you can do nothing so if you want this year to have a life that bears much fruit for god and glorifies the father the secret is to remain or abide in him and that's something we have to do that's something we have to choose to do and jesus tells us to do that six times in this passage to abide or remain or stay in him. He says, if we don't abide, in verse 6, it says, we'll be cast out as a branch, withered, thrown into the fire, and burned. That's another scary sort of sounding bit in this passage. Now, I'll just say, before I go on, it's not enough just to believe in Jesus in our lives. We don't just tick the box. And put our hands up in church on a Sunday and say, I want to receive you into my life. We have to stay there and abide in him and remain in him and live in him. And go on abiding in him and go on remaining in him and go on living in him. Because if the sap doesn't flow up the vine and through the branch, the branch withers. We've got to stay in him for the sap The life of God to come up from the vine and out into the branch. And the width of the branch, where it joins onto the vine, determines how much sap can flow through it. And that's kind of in our hands a little bit. How much are we going to let God's life flow through us so that we can be fruitful? How much are we going to remain in him and stay in him? Now let 's look a little bit back at verse six and, and see if we can get our heads around that because it does sound scary about withering up and throwing, being thrown into the fire and burned uh, when we were in Israel this year, we went to lots of souvenir shops, and in these souvenir shops, they sell things you know, made locally and so on and One of the things that you see a lot of if you've ever been is things made out of olive wood. I, I had a um, hymn book when I was a little girl that one of my aunties had brought me back from Jerusalem. Um, I didn't even know where Jerusalem was at the time, but it was a very shiny, nice piece of wood on the cover of this uh, hymn book. And we actually, um, not quite so spiritually, brought back some really nice little Christmas decorations made out of olive wood when we were in Israel this year. It's a harding thing to do. Wherever you go, you buy Christmas decorations. It's quite nice because you can remember it all then. Um, Just a little, you know, I'll just throw that one in. But... um, Olive wood can be used to make things and carve things because it's quite um, solid. But a vine branch is too brittle and too thin. Its only use and purpose is to let the sap flow through it and produce grapes. That's its purpose, to let the sap, the life flow through it and produce grapes it can't be used to carve a figure or make a fork or a bowl or whatever ezekiel 15 says how is the wood of a vine different from that of a branch from any of the trees in the forest is wood ever taken from it to make anything useful can men make a peg from it to hang any vessel on instead it's thrown into the fire for fuel and the fire devours it What it's saying is, if there's no fruit, the branch is purposeless. If there's no sap flowing through it, it's going to wither up. And once it withers up, you can't use it for some other purpose, because its only purpose is to bear fruit. It's only fit for firewood if there's no sap flowing through it, and there's no fruit there. So if we don't abide, we'll have no sap flowing. If we have no sap flowing or no life of God, we wither. And when we wither, then we're not of any spiritual use because we're not fulfilling our purpose and destiny in God. It's not that he wants to reject you and burn you or anything like that. He's cheering you on to grow fruit and be fruitful and let the sap flow. But if we don't abide, it's just the natural consequence. What will happen if you don't carry on remaining in God and abiding in him and living your life in him? You're going to wither up. And we're all supposed to be sap flowing, fruit bearing branches. That's our purpose to glorify God. He wants you to bear much fruit. Much fruit. That's His call on our lives this year to bear much fruit. Jesus says, as the Father loved me, I've loved you, abide in me, stay in me, remain in me, let the sap flow, have a wide connection with God. And this isn't just about praying and reading our Bibles, good as those are to do and essential as those are to do. It's about a lifestyle, a lifestyle of being conscious of God's presence with us Um. I shared something with the ladies that I read, and I, I can't remember the guy's name, but he wrote The Prayer of Jabez. Who wrote that? Anyway, I read something that he said once, and he said this. The problem is, as we go on in God, something happens. So you might need to hold the microphone for me so that I can just, I need both hands. Just this once. I need both hands. So he said, when you first come to Jesus... You don't feel very good at things. You don't think you're very good at the Christian life. You know, you don't feel that you could go and pray for someone else or you don't feel very much. Your competence is sort of down here, but your loving of Jesus is up here because you just met him. You know that first love when the sky's bluer and the grass is greener and you can't stop smiling because you've met Jesus. So that's up here. But as you carry on in the Christian life, if you're not careful... Your competence increases. You start to feel, oh, I, I can find my way around the Bible without the index, maybe, and you know, I, I could pray for someone or whatever. Your competence comes up, but if you're not careful, your abiding can go down. And the minute your competence is higher than your abiding, you are in trouble. You've got to keep that side up. The abiding's got to be higher than this side always. And it's just something that can sneak up on us when we've known Jesus a long time. The, the The balance goes the wrong way. So my encouragement to you this morning is if you want to be fruitful this year, stay in him. Abide in him. Let the sap flow right through your life. His presence is what really matters for us. And Jesus said, if you abide in me, it says, he who abides in me and I in him. So once we stay in him, he's able to stay in us in the sense of us being aware of his presence. It is possible to work really, really hard for God without much fruit. Did you know that? It is possible. Fruit can only grow where there's life flowing. A machine can wash your clothes for you and can do work and can do jobs and things like that. But you've got to have life for fruit to grow, for something to multiply. A washing machine can't multiply itself. It can only wash your clothes. If you want to be a much fruit-bearing person, we need that life flowing through us so that we're living in him and he is living in us. There's another quote here from Andrew Murray that I like. It says, many believers pray and long very earnestly for the filling of the Spirit and the indwelling of Christ. And they wonder why they don't make more progress. Do you ever wonder that? Why don't I make more progress in my Christian life? And he says this, the reason is often this, the I in you can't come because the abide in me hasn't been maintained. So if you want the I in you, you've got to do the abide in me. And that's how we'll be able to make progress in our life in God so that we can bear much fruit. If we want to be fruitful, we have to learn the secret of abiding. Okay, we're nearly there. Something I just uh, noticed in verse 10 is abiding is linked to obeying. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. If you do what I say, you'll abide in my love. You'll remain, you'll stay. Now, abiding isn't sitting on some sort of heavenly deck chair chair. By a swimming pool, or just having a good quiet time—I've already said that—it's about living for Him, being obedient all the time. If we do what He says, we'll be more fruitful. Because if we do what He says, we'll be more effective. There'll be more of the supernatural in our life. There'll be more of the life of God in our lives. And it's uh, for the start in verse seven. It says there's a promise of answered prayer if we abide. We'll be praying the right things. We'll ask for the right things and we'll see our prayers answered. In verse 11 it says we'll be full of joy. So if you want to have your prayers answered, if you want to be full of joy, the secret it says here is to abide, to stay. It's easy really. This isn't supposed to be a passage that's going, you naughty people, you're not being fruitful enough here. It's saying here's how to do what you've been made to do. Here's how to fulfill your purpose in God, which is to bear fruit and bring glory to God. That's what you've been made for. That is what the branch on a vine exists for, to bear fruit. And God, this morning, is cheering you on to be fruitful this year. Whether you need to have some fruit, more fruit, much fruit, wherever you are on this spectrum God is cheering you on and wanting you to be fruitful and grow lots of fantastic grapes in your life and your character and your actions for him this year. It's actually easy if we'll just do what he tells us and stay in him and let that life flow through us and let him clean us up and deal with sin in our lives and chop off all the stuff that gets in the way and hinders us and let his life flow through us. So no fruit... Some fruit, more fruit, Much fruit. Do you want to be more fruitful this year? Anybody want to be more fruitful this year? It says in verse eight about uh, "If you're fruitful, you're a true disciple." Well, that's a sermon in itself, what's a true disciple. But if you want to be a true disciple of Jesus this year and have fruit in your life that gives him the glory, then I think there's some real keys in this passage for us. Deal with sin. Get your life cleaned up again so that you can be where you should be in him. Allow him to prune you and abide in him and let his life flow through you. And the the life of God be in the branch so that the fruit can come. And then it says we'll bear much fruit that will last. Amen? That's how our lives can glorify God this year. That's how we can be more fruitful for him. And I just, uh, I'm, I'm preaching to myself as well. And I I'm, I want to be more fruitful this year. I want to move on in God and see him do more through me. Not because I want to be anything special, because I want to have a life that gives glory to God. I want to have a life that fulfills the purpose that God's got a hold of me for. Amen? Amen. Do you